Welcome to the Wish Well Podcast, a women's integrative summit on health and wellness. A podcast hosted by Dr. Michelle Dang, a board-certified anesthesiologist and pain management physician with additional fellowship training in integrative medicine. This podcast will feature weekly episodes with women from all walks of life discussing their health and wellness journeys. Hi everyone, it's Dr. Michelle Dang with the Women's Integrative Summit on Health and Wellness podcast, the Wishwell podcast. I've started to say the entire podcast name just because some of my new listeners may not know what Wishwell stands for, and so I've just started to say it all out so you know what podcast you are listening to. I have gotten some feedback that the podcast logo is hard to know what this podcast is all about, so I want to make sure that you all know that it is for all issues related to women's health and wellness, along with any type of health and wellness journeys that some of you ladies may have been through. I bring on guests who share their own personal journeys as well as specific topics related to health and wellness. I hope that you all have been enjoying these episodes, especially in this new season. I definitely have enjoyed recording these episodes for you all. I want to share with you that I'm recording this intro today upstairs in my office. And over the weekend, I had a webinar that I participated in on on integrated structural acupuncture, which is a course that I'm currently enrolled in and really enjoying myself there, but I had brought my laptop downstairs to our dining room table for the two-day webinar weekend and left my microphone, my headphones downstairs, and I had already planned out to record this intro today and did not want to go downstairs to get those headphones. I don't know if you all have experienced that. I'm sure that you have where you are comfortable, wherever you are, and just do not want to take the next step to go and get, you know, a set of headphones or your phone or anything just because it just seems like so much effort. So I'm recording this without using my headphones. So hopefully the sound quality is okay. But I want to check in, make sure everyone is doing well. I know it just feels like 2020 has been dragging on, and I know it's 2021 already. I just started in my fitness group a 12-day ab challenge, which has been a lot of fun. It definitely has given me some inspiration to get out there, make the videos, make the routine. It is a 12-day challenge because if some of you may or may not know, The Lunar New Year is coming up on February 12th, and it is the year of the ox this year, which my son is the year of the ox. So I decided to put together a 12-day challenge leading up to the new year with a theme for the zodiac sign each day for the 12 days. So it's been a lot of fun. They're short little challenges. If you are interested, you can check out my Instagram page, MD. I post the workout routine there, and I forgot to do it, but I'll do it after I get off here. I will add it to the highlights. You can also see that I did 
put together a 2020 app challenge challenge last year, which was a lot of fun, but it was very long. It was 21 days. And the idea at that time was it takes 21 days to make a positive change. And so decided to do a 21 day challenge last year. This year, trying to keep it a little bit shorter so people will have more motivation to finish it out. So if you want to check it out, if you want a short little ab core challenge for the Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year, you are more than welcome to join me there. So without further ado, I want to introduce this week's episode, which is number 55, and it is Destigmatization with Dr. Jessica Luban, and she is the founder and creator of Underwear. So in this week's episode, I chat with Dr. Luban, who is a urologist, and she founded this company, Underwear, and you can hear how she decided to embark on this journey and what exactly made her decide to start this company. What she says is that she witnessed not only daily frustrations and embarrassment that arose from urinary leakage, which is also referred to as urinary incontinence, and this occurred in both men and women, but also the limitations and potential side effects of more invasive treatment. So she chose this word destigmatization because she wants to bring awareness just about how common this issue is with the hopes of having open conversations without the shame or stigma that sometimes comes with living with incontinence. I had a great time chatting with her. I hope you do check her out. You can find out more about underwear at underwear.com and it is spelled O-N-D-R, so underwear.com and on Instagram as well, underwear at underwear. So check her out. It's always so much fun to bring on female entrepreneurs and especially women who are in medicine and who have branched out and decided to do so many different things just outside the box. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Remember, if you are on iTunes, to leave a rating or review for me. And also check out my Instagram page, like I mentioned, Michelle Dang MD, or the podcast Instagram, which is wishwell.health. Otherwise, take care, stay safe, and I'll see you all next week. Hi, everyone. It's Dr. Michelle Dang with the Westwell Podcast. I'm here today with Dr. Jessica Luban, and she is a urologist and really excited to have her on the podcast today to share with you all her company, Underwear. And I definitely want to give her the opportunity to share her story, her journey, and how she created this company and what it's all about. So welcome, Jessica. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here as well. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your story in terms of what you do. I know that you are a urologist, but tell us a little bit about your journey in urology, how you decided on that field. So, uh, yeah, I'm a uh, urologist in private practice in Portland, Oregon. Um, and so um, my my pathway to medicine was sort of circuitous. I never thought I would become a doctor in the first place, much less a urologist. Um, but as chance would have it. Um, I had an existential crisis my junior year of college and, um, you know, took the MCATs, took the GMATs, took everything and finally decided <laughs> on going to medical school. 
Um, in medical school, I really thought I wanted to be a plastic surgeon. Um, we had this chairman in plastic surgery that was just a mom of four. She was a, but she was also the chairman of the department, a real pioneer in her field. And she did peripheral nerve surgery and she did all these amazing nerve transfers and got people who were, you know, had defunctionalized limbs moving again. I thought it was absolutely incredible. Um, and so I wanted to be her. Um, but as I went through um, medical school and experienced all the different rotations, you just find yourself um, attracted to the types of personalities and things you see. And in neurology, um, I really liked how um, you have a functional recovery of, of the, the issues that you're treating. Um, there's a lot of technology involved from minimally invasive, um, endoscopic to laparoscopic surgery. You do these big cancer operations, these little fine um, office procedures. And I, so I thought that really appealed to me. Um, also, as a woman in the field, I thought that it would make me a little bit more special. So at the time I was in medical school, there were only um, 400 board certified female urologists in the country and there were 400 in training. So obviously the demographics have shifted since the time, um, but there was a huge shortage of urologists there. You know, they said the optimal number of urologists is one per 40,000 in the population. At the time there was one per 70,000 mm -hmm. and there were so few women. So I just thought that um, I would come out, you know, just a little bit more special, maybe. <laughs> I wouldn't have to work as hard to be special. Um, and, um, and, and I really felt like there was a need. There was all these women with urologic issues that no one um, addressed. And as a person who's um, very vocal about private matters, there are very, very few things that actually embarrass me. And so I thought that it was a, it was a really good fit. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And so once you got into practice, I know we talked a little bit offline. Um, what was that like being, you know, kind of the unicorn in, in some ways, like being <laughs> a female urologist at that time? Um, I, you know, I'm really lucky that I do have another female urologist in my group. Um, she was one of the first ones in Portland. Um, she never had children or anything like that, but I thought that was a good mentor for me to have in, in sort of establishing, um, you, you know, your, where you, how to practice, how to balance um, be, be, between um, trying to see female patients and catering to that while still being a general urologist. So I don't have um, a female expertise or extra fellowship training while I do enjoy seeing um, and have a lot of female patients, I do see, you know, 50% of my practice is still men. And so trying to draw that balance between um, seeing both men and women and appealing to both genders, I think is uh, a lot of times a tricky, tricky um, role to play in urology, specifically for female urologists. And so a lot of women urologists either really want to only see women. Um, and so so it's almost natural for women to filter into them, but there are a lot of female urologists who do not want to see any women. So a lot of, you know, the women who don't want to see 
do women issues, I guess, like the incontinence and prolapse and things. Um, they would rather do cancer or, you know, kidney and bladder stuff. Um, they tend to do fellowship trainings in order to not get pigeonholed. So I think it's really, um, it's a really tricky balance to, uh, you know, to make sure you see the the right mix of things that you are really interested in and what you tend to appeal to by nature of who you are. So in your practice now, do you practice general urology or do you yeah. have this? Okay, perfect. So tell me a little bit about your company now. How did you come up with the idea? Tell us a little bit about what exactly underwear is and yeah, just. <laughs> so my company is called underwear. It's um, the, the goal of the company was to make really beautiful looking underwear that you would want to wear anyway. Um, but that, that actually hold urine and periods and fluids or, um, you know, all women have all sorts of leakages that, um, are not captured by normal <laughs> underwear. Um, so, you know, it's this, this idea kind of fleshed out over several years, um, you know, as a urologist, I do see a lot of women, um, with leakage with, you know, incontinence and bladder leakage. Um, and so what, what really struck, struck me was that the severity of the leakage was, had no correlation with the bother. Um, you know, the leakage could be very mild and it could still be completely debilitating and embarrassing for you know, the patient in, involved. And you know, I do surgeries and prescribe medications, do injections, put in nerve stimulators. Um, and so some of these people would ask for pretty severe treatments for what I perceive to be a less, you know, a more minor issue or more minor level of leakage. Um, and so it just got me thinking like, what is it about the incontinence that is so, um, so embarrassing? Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is the stigma against it. Um, people are afraid of this, like smelling like an old person. They don't feel like this is um, who they are yet, mm -hmm. or they're so afraid of, of aging before they're ready. Um, and so I wanted to change the conversation around that uh, just because leakage is so common. I don't think it's um, something that needs to be shameful. I think it's something that could be addressed, um, but I, I don't, it really bothered me that it was a source of shame for so many people. Um, one of my um, relatives also had prostate, prostate cancer surgery and, you know, from a physician standpoint, he had a really good result. He didn't wear pads. He was cancer free. And so in my mind, I always thought, oh, he's done great. Um, but, you know, as I got into practice and more years of under my belt, he started talking to me about that was the, that the incontinence was the first thing, first time in his life was the source of depression. Um, so the first time he ever felt, um, you know, like incapable and, you know, and so it really, 
it really, I really felt like I had to do something about this, um, either the conversation around it. And as someone who sees and cons all the time, I feel like people don't realize how common it is. And if everyone could talk about it, um, it would be become less of a less of an issue. It's just how just like how periods are. You know, people used to never talk about periods. Now it is it's much more part of open conversation and it's not something shameful anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, also kind of what, at the same time, I had just delivered my first child. <laughs> and so I was trying to be um, eco-conscious and trying to do the cloth diapering, <laughs> trying to reduce my carbon uh, footprint in the world. and. Um, so I had bought every system that I, I tried every sort of baby diapering system in the world. But in doing all that, it just, it, it, it occurred to me like there are very absorbent materials out there. Mm-hmm. Um, why can't this just look good? And why can't, why aren't there options, more options for adults that you know don't feel like a diaper, don't look like a diaper, um, Clearly, you're, the, there is manufacturing techniques and um, there's got to be a way to, to even use what's currently out there and put it together in a way that is, you know, is, um, it's more effective, I guess. And so, um, yeah, so I started <laughs> down the path that, and created underwear. That's so innovative. Yeah. And to go back to what you're talking about um, in the topic for our conversation today is destigmatization. Mm-hmm. And it's a mouthful, but it is very important because, as you mentioned, incontinence is a very common issue. People don't like to talk about it. And it can affect people of all ages, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just something that older people experience. And yeah. it's interesting just because you see all those advertisements on TV of depends <laughs> yeah. and it's usually older people. And so it is, um, a certain amount of shame that, you know, some people may experience if they're experiencing this incontinence at a much younger age. And just, just talking to my friends about, uh, you know, just kind of when I was fleshing out this product with my friends, um, even as I got samples, um, you know, I would talk to my friends and I'll say, you know, it's for people who who have bladder leakage issues. And most of them will say, well, I don't have that problem. And it's like, okay, but you know, when you jump, <laughs> you're running after your kids. Do you ever, you know, do you ever leak a little? Like, oh yeah, you know, and oh, I can't do jumping jacks anymore. And, um, but then nobody had incontinence, but everybody wanted to try it, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things. And um, so I feel like as, as you open up about, the issue, then people are way more open about their problems as well. So my friend started sending me pictures of, check out my pants today. <laughs> like, send me another pair of your underwear. Look at when I worked out today. Look at what happened. And um, the and so it is funny. I try to get people to take some pictures in it. You know, I wanted some. Um, I wanted to see how they looked, and. Um, 
a lot of, even a lot of my friends will say, well, I love your underwear, but I don't want to ever be associated with incontinence. And it's like, see, this is the problem. This is the stigma we're trying to break here. You know, it's okay. (laughs) And even, even like women who are pregnant have these issues as well. So postpartum when you have your six week long period and all that stuff for sure. So have you had any experience in, in doing this or is it something that you just, you had this idea and you just said, you know what, I'm just going to do it and figure it out as I go. I had no experience at all. Um, the one thing that I feel really lucky about is that I do live in Portland, Oregon, which is the headquarters of Nike and Adidas and Columbia. Um, and so there are a lot of people with apparel know-how in locally. And one of the things that I thought was really helpful is um, for for a long time, I kept this idea really close to me because I thought, well, I don't want someone to take this idea, you know, and um, I don't want to, I don't want somebody else to, to do it before I can do it. And then finally, one of my friends said, you know, you, you've been talking, you've literally been talking about this for five years. Why haven't you done anything? And, to, and so she was, she made the point that it's because it's hard, like everyone has ideas, but um, very few people actually act on it. And so um, she said, don't be afraid because you haven't done it. Who Like there's got to be someone super motivated and really passionate about your idea to actually do something about it. And so I started talking about it with everyone. And actually that's what kind of broke through for me is then I talked to someone who was like, Hey, I have this friend who is, you know, works for Adidas and why don't you connect with her? And, you know, then you figure out the steps that you need to take to actually, you know, someone else will say, hey, you know, I know all these factories. Let me see if any of them make underwear, you know, and I know. And so this person who will help you with the next step and you need this, and this person can help you get that. And if they can't, they know somebody who will, who can help you. So I think it's been, um, I think that was the biggest thing was finding out that people were supportive of it and that there's people, everyone is so willing to help. Um, and so I've been struck by that and really grateful for that as well. Yeah. I think the, the first step is always the scariest when you, mm-hmm. it feels like you're kind of jumping head first into this. And then once you start making these connections, it's like, oh my gosh, like this can actually work. Yep. And then I also feel like, you know, you know, just like we were talking about before we came on is I was at a sort of a rut in my career. I felt like, um, you know, it felt like there was so much burden with paperwork and um, you just, some days you feel like, do I even like what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what really got me motivated as well was thinking about like, you know, just draft, like drawing out ideas of underwear and designs and just made me really happy. And um, I thought about like, you know, if I had to 
do what I was doing just for another 30 years. Like, would I, re when I, at the time I retired, would I be like, what regrets would I have? You know, would it, um, would I be happy that I just had a good career um, or just would I really be wondering like if, if I could have done more and if I could have, if I could have changed something and changed my, my, my current state and made my life a little bit more fulfilling for me. And so it actually occurred to me that my biggest risk was to me was that I'd wake up unhappy at 65 and never did anything about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought, I figured, you know, well, even if I failed at making underwear, at least I would have tried and at least it would be fun. Um, and I feel like that's so far what ha this has been for me personally is it's, it's really reinvigorated myself in practice because I feel like I'm really listening to the pain points because I keep it totally separate from my actual um, practice, but I really feel like I listen better to the pain points. I pay attention to what people are wearing, like how difficult it is to get their underwear on, just little things that, you know, in the past were, would have been a little bit more burdensome, like when you're helping somebody some 90 year old dress afterwards, you know, you, mm -hmm. it's, it's, you feel like it's, um, when you're really busy and you're going through it, it, it's tough, but it forces you to uh, like sit down and listen and slow down. And it's like, why is, why does this have to be so difficult for you? Like, what could we do about this underwear that would make it easier for you to yeah. put it on independently um, and it feels more empowering because it feels like you can do something about it. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, if we made this little design change, you may be able to step in a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. And so it just makes these little day-to-day -day things so much more interesting um, and so much more fun. The other part of it is, you know, medicine's not always very supportive mm -hmm. um, of, you know, depending on who you like who you're surrounded by, but um, the entrepreneurial world I found to be incredibly supportive. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've had so many more advocates in that space. So um, it's really helped in all areas of, you know, when you feel energized and you feel like something is meaningful, I feel like, you know, you're happier at other play points doing other aspects of your life you know mm -hmm. it just carries over to everything else and I think just being happier <laughs> makes me a better makes me more caring and more patient and um, you're able to so, feel a little bit more satisfaction yeah, in what you do exactly exactly mm -hmm. I feel like I'm listening better I feel like I'm um you know I'm reinvigorated and mm -hmm. so it, it's funny because you would think that you would be less in, you would be less so when you're so busy because now I have so much less time, but I feel like, um, when you're I'm enjoying working, everything that you do, I'm, I'm enjoying it more and I'm, I'm focusing so much better because instead of worrying about the next, like, Oh, I just need to get through. <laughs> I just need to get through this day. Um, I feel like the day itself is so much more enjoyable. 
So how long did it take for you um, from the idea of underwear to actually implementing it? So that when I actually started doing something mm -hmm. um, at that point, uh, I would say it took me two years and um, it was a lot of, a lot of trial and error, a couple, you know, two steps forward, one step forward, two steps back, a lot of, a lot of moments like that. Um, I tried a lot of different ways of, of getting it done. You know, I tried a fashion accelerator. I tried different um, design firms and factories and I tried a bunch of different ways to get it moving and get it going. Um, and so, you know, I almost, at one point I almost gave up because it was so difficult to actually find a factory. I was trying to get it made, everything made in the U.S. and mm -hmm. just could not find a factory that could make my a prototype that I was happy with. And so I nearly gave up, but then someone, but I finally went abroad and mm -hmm. found a good factory partner that I'm happy with and was actually able to do all the construction and, um, and all the, um, and they had the technology and know-how and somebody who got it, but it was hard because you'd have to explain this so many times, you know, and every time it would be starting over again, but. How'd but you come up with a name? Oh, that was, um, <laughs> that was tough. Um, I'm, I don't feel like I'm a good creative writer. And um, for a long time, I called my company Trunks, you know, like, because my original prototypes were all in men, they're all um, male um, boxer brief types. And so it was kind of like the male, like shorts of, mm -hmm. you know, different, just like a play on that. Um, but then Every, nobody, but then when I finally found the right partner, um, I still don't have my mail line um, launched yet, just because the manufacturing is so much trickier for the mail shorts. It's still working out. I, like I have the prototype of that I like, but I don't have a, a way to produce it yet that is, that is feasible for a factory to make it easily. So we're still sorting that out a little bit, but um, everyone said that the name was too masculine for females. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so um, I actually tried different um, crowdsourcing on, there are all these naming crowdsourcing platforms, um, uh, different um, kind of advertising agencies. And then finally through a combination of those things, um, came up with underwear. I, I wanted something that sounds simple, like primary basics. Mm -hmm. um, and underwear is kind of the play on underwear. Mm -hmm. um, but with the doctor designed, the DR for the doctor designed, and, um, you know, had someone had said wonderwear. Or <laughs> so some variation of that. Um, but I just liked how it looked. It was simple, visually, just four letters and for the under part. Um, so yeah, it, it, um, I, I wanted something that, that looked like it was under, but this I felt like was an elevated elevation of your, your underwear. So you're on top instead. 
That's so fascinating. I mean, just the whole process from beginning <laughs> to, you know, creation into now you're actually selling these products. Um, and so we are running out of time, but I just wanted to see um, what are some, what is some feedback that you've gotten so far from people who have purchased underwear and how does that make you feel? Uh, so far I've had really good feedback. I'm um, the, the goal was to create first and foremost, the most leak proof underwear on the market that I could. Um, and from a functional standpoint, um, I've had really, really good feedback on it. So um, most, most of my friends really like it. Um, there are a few little tweaks that I wanna make for the next iteration of it. Um, you know, just the way, um, the way it's sewn, I think I wanna change it just so it's a little bit more forgiving. Um, but in, in general, um, I'm pretty happy with it. I'm pretty proud of it. Awesome. And I think with anything that you create, I mean, innovation is about constantly making things better, evolving. Yeah. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. And but so it, it is really stressful. I mean, <clears throat> when I first put it out there, it was like, oh my gosh, what if people hate it? it you yes. know, it kind of feels like a, a validation of your idea or, a, you know, a like a judgment on you, like mm -hmm. how people perceive it. So, yeah. So well, it's it, really personal. Yes. I mean, it is when you create something like that, it is, um, in some ways you being vulnerable because this yeah, is, exactly. this is your creation. Exactly. So for those people out there who are suffering from incontinence, what is something that you can tell them? Um, you're not alone. Um, and there are, a lot of things that can be done about it. Um, and it, it isn't something that um, I think should limit you. Beautiful. And if people want to find out more about underwear or about you, how can they reach you? Um, my, my website is www.underwear.com. We have the at underwear handle for Facebook and Instagram. But you can also um, email me at hello at underwear.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for taking your time out to yeah. chat with me about underwear. This was a lot of fun, and I'm excited to see all the new things that are going to be coming out for you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wish Well podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe and follow along every week for new episodes. You can find us on Instagram at wishwell.health and at our website, wishwell.health.blog. Until next time, I wish you health and I wish you wellness.